Welcome back to episode two of the Humble and Brag podcast. We still don't have a name for it. Humble and Brag, maybe good enough. Great content doesn't need the name. Exactly. Value-led mm. content in our video podcast. Incredible watch times. I hope terrible so. Terrible CTRs, incredible <laughs> watch times. <laughs> Those things usually go hand in hand. What do you want to talk about today? We had some show notes. What was this one about? Uh, oh, I was going to ask you the top three. I mean, it can be more, it can be less. Top three YouTube videos of your career. Oh. So what's the... The story behind them, like it could be the because of the impact that it had on the company that you're working for, because of the kind of maybe just simply the number of views. It could be the responses, mm-hmm. how you change someone someone's life through a YouTube video. Oh, damn, we're getting deep those now. kind of things. Yeah. So uh, any that come to mind? Uh, how many? Of them and why? From a little bit of a backstory. They all need to be okay. They need to be with me <laughs> in the video and how they changed their life. Yeah, I can do that. I think that's a good idea for the podcast. Hopefully the viewers and listeners will be interested in that as well. I think it's a good, because then you can equate that to then obviously the business impact, because mm-hmm. usually they go hand in hand, right? It's I like, mean, if they're not, then we just say we're doing it for us, not for them. Exactly. This is, this is for us. This is for us. There's not necessarily any strict learnings here. I would say if I had to pick, you kind of sprung this, I would say there's maybe one from the recent times more in Career Foundry, which I think was really impactful. Mm-hmm. And then there was two from AJ and Smart that I wanted to reference at my time there, partly because of the impact that they had, but it was, for me, an example of how content can actually impact people. And that's not to say that it hadn't happened later in my career either, but I think these videos just had a runaway success. So if you view viewership as maybe a bit of a vanity metric, but it is a nice snapshot on a window into video's performance. Mm-hmm. So there's two videos, and we can maybe flash these up somewhere. The first one would be how to get started in UX design, or I think that was the title, get started in UX design or something, which I released in... I'm tempted to say May or June 2020 at AJ and Smart. I featured my friend and colleague at the time, Ammer. And he basically, we that was a video where we revisited a topic that had already been successful. So this is this whole SQL technique coming back that I harp on mm-hmm. constantly about. But that really blew up. And I think current, as, as of present recording, it has like 1.5 million views. Mm-hmm. But for me, the interesting thing is the comments that people dropped in that video. Whereas, again, maybe we can flash this up, but it really had an impact and I've shown that video to people because sometimes I feel a bit like, oh, I just make some YouTube videos for a living and Mm. I enjoy it. But, you know, and you have business impact, but you never really see this effect on people and the comments and the engagement in that video drummed up. It has like, Mm. I think like 1,200 comments. And a lot of people were saying that it was their first taste of UX design and it got them started in the industry and they find the the learning materials and the way the video was structured, this kind of seven-step guide, but going through the different motions really uh, easy to follow and impactful. So for me, that would be number video number one, purely because of the audience reaction, uh, mm-hmm. which I was, yeah. Again, it, it took off with some success at the time, but it's just kind of grown and grown and grown. And an example of what we talked about in the previous podcast, where you have this kind of compounding effect is still an absolute monster in the UX design mm-hmm. sphere space on YouTube. So that was video number one, again, just because of the audience appreciation and, and the impact it had there. And... Oh, I'm going to put in a curveball. I was going to say another video, that was, but that was kind of similar to the first video um, that I mentioned and in the, in the reasons why. I think one video uh, that I was really chuffed to get out was this ver- version where I had John, Jonathan Courtney of Agent Smart working with Chris Dole on a logo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, if I'm honest, like it really split the room in terms of people that took it way too seriously and didn't get kind of the, the, the joke, which Chris was fully in on. Mm-hmm. But I think that was a video where there was a lot of apprehension in the filming because you're working with someone as big as Chris Dole. He's in the room. You don't want anything to go wrong. And we had a fairly, fairly small setup, like a couple of cameras, and I had assistance from Philip. This is probably going to mean nothing to viewers, but I, Philip, a colleague and friend at the time, came in and helped. 
But I was just so nervous. And then to mm. see that video just take off and have all these like, kind of almost the opposite, like these kind of negative comments. But it was it was a humorous piece. And I think it was it really split the room. But it was it was quite impactful in, 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 in mm. that sense. But I kind of realized the impact that content could have and maybe how the Internet sometimes doesn't always get the joke. Which is kind of key to remember when you're when you're making stuff, but particularly publishing it on a, to like a global audience. Like culturally, there's obviously very there can be differences in, in different different cultures around the world, and people sometimes take things too seriously or not seriously enough. And it's that, that was an interesting one. So I wouldn't say that it was necessarily one of my favorite videos, but it was definitely one of those videos that made me kind of like, oh wow, you have this kind of effect, and you can publish something, and it can be as widely viewed and attacked or defended as, as this, which was really interesting. So that would be video number two, purely from a kind of mm-hmm. fun point of view. I think it was the first ever design humor video maybe on YouTube or that was how it was built at the time but it was really fun to work on kind of stressful to release but yeah. enjoyable to watch back sometimes now and I show it to people and I'm showcasing some of my funnier work from there and then thirdly I think maybe it's not one video but a series of videos uh, I would say probably this New York testimonial content that we released mm. at Career Foundry I was going to see the what is data analytics video but I can talk about that a little bit later but recently in fact this year we went off well, as part of Career Foundry, we captured a lot of customer testimonials in New York City with a lot of the graduates that had been through the CF program, the UX design program primarily. And we were just chatting to them in their workspaces or in their neighborhoods. And we filmed some of the best footage I think I've ever captured in my career. Yeah. It was like really sharp, really crisp, but we used nice cameras yeah. and lenses. And it was just this really nice human experience where like even on camera and off camera, you got a real taste for how storytelling and how people's journeys can kind of... I cannot kind of not only impact the business side of things and the business impact, but just really resonate with you. I think the team that went out were super fired up and inspired. So it's not necessarily one video, but if you can check it on YouTube, go to the Career Foundry channel, there's a whole playlist. But I definitely think that was some of the, the best mm-hmm. work. And I, I'm kind of glad it kind of came to came at a time almost towards the end of my career there as well before we got into this humble brag. But it was it was really fun to work on and just just this really nice celebration of like storytelling and visual design and, and, and video all kind of coming together. I like how you um, see humble and brag as the end of your career. The start of a career, the start <laughs> of a career. The, the end of my career while being kind of an employee, I guess. Before You have a nice story as well though, right? With one of uh, the graduates that you filmed talking about her career journey, who then attributed her kind of departure point, whatever the trigger was for deciding that, I think it was UX design as well, was for her was, your video oh, from yeah. Asian Swords, I actually right? forgot about that, yeah. yeah and then that was so it kind of came full circle where you yeah. had someone that watched that video, decided UX was for them, went to Career Foundry, did a program, changed career, landed a job, and then ends up being filmed by yeah. you and says, ah, oh, this was the... And then it's like, yeah, filmed that video I completely four years forgot ago. About that. Yeah, that was, was actually a really, one of those really life-affirming moments. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, wow, it's gone full circle. Yeah, um, the most influential person in her life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that that happened in New York. I think it was maybe as well, yeah. third or second. But then it was mm-hmm. a, a graduate that we interviewed in Berlin as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she had said this. So the video that I mentioned previously, the how to get started in UX one, mm-hmm. had been watched by this person who hadn't really any understanding of UX as a background, UX design as a background, and then watched the video, followed the steps, got involved, had undertaken the career from the short course, went through the funnel and you know decided to take the course eventually. And then is now working in UX design mm. for four years later. So full circle. And then I got to meet her, but we didn't know that she didn't know that I'd made that video and I didn't know she'd watched that video. And it was this kind of weird epiphany where we were filming. Yeah. Had to take a moment and leave the room. A tear, <laughs> a tear came to my eye. No, that's not true. But it was actually really life affirming. So I would say those are my three that I feel have had the biggest impact on me as a mm. kind of content producer. Oh, your mic's fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> 
The, the audio will be, no, the audio will be fine because it will, it will still pick up a mind. And we're doing it live, you know, we're not going to stop These now. things happen. These yeah. things happen. We're doing it live. It's all good. We're professionals. We're absolute professionals. Um, but that, that's kind of mine. And I think I kind of cheated with the last one because it was a series of videos, but more a, maybe like a, a theme or a series perhaps. Mm. And maybe turning the lens back on you. Well, you. You've got quite an illustrious career in YouTube. You've worked at several companies and, and scaled out different YouTube verticals for different people. What would you say your three are? So I was thinking I'd try and say one from each company, but to be honest, it's just too too much. Yeah. I mean, like from Career Foundry alone, like all the things you mentioned, I think like the, the testimonials that were shot in New York were fantastic and like represented this kind of crazy level up in the quality of what was being produced. Mm-hmm. Which you is already... I've seen his thing where he edges off the screen again. So, so that, that's good. Yeah. I mean, the quality was already great before, but like it was suddenly kind of this cinematic quality. And then there's a lot of storytelling, obviously real kind of insight into their lives and how they've changed. But then if I took like one or two videos from Career Foundry, I'd say like the trends videos. Oh yeah. Because yeah, it was yeah. just so interesting how they would just take off mm. around the turn of the year. Because mm. obviously it was, you know, talking about different trends in different industries and uh, it's uh, got a good search volume, but also just a lot of people interested obviously in what's going to happen next year, what kind of trends they need to be aware of. So those videos would almost always take off. Mm. And then just seeing the, uh, knock on impact of that in terms of brand search volumes, everything increasing through like this purely organic piece of content. That was very cool. And then one, just because it was an idea that was really just pried from the hands of creators, was the whole uh, this title that I knew would work, which was the how I would become something like how I'd become a web developer if I started mm. all over again, or mm. to start over. And I saw all these creators producing that and getting a lot of views. Because this title just seemed to work really well with people. This idea that you were going to be told by an expert who'd trodden that path exactly how to do it, mm. to do it in a kind of accelerated manner, I guess. And uh, I produced a couple of those and took, <coughs> got stick to the data one really too. Do you want some water? Uh, yes. We don't have any water. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. I just go like off camera and then like into the kitchen and then like run some water. Uh, it's all right. I can take over. Got a camera to myself now, finally. You can keep talking. It's the edge show. Professor Humble. Yeah. Thank you. You can see that this has actually been done in my front room at present. So have access to a kitchen. (laughs) Have kitchen we'll use, you know? uh, Why not? Sorry, I cut you off. So, yeah, those two from Career Foundry, but primarily because the results, because they really took off. Mm. Although the trend videos and the Howard style videos. Then, I guess, from when I first started from the first channel, the English Academy, like Language Academy. I made an extremely dry video in black and white about how to describe graphs. Okay. Which still to this day, if you type in, like 12 years later, I think, okay. if you type in like how to describe graphs in English, like aimed at students, mm. like typically, I don't know, maybe early university students or something that have to do that kind of thing in English. And from a, like a linguistic perspective, it's pretty solid. From a production editing perspective, not. Okay. Um, Some of the challenges. I mean, like, at the time, I was using Windows Movie Maker to edit the videos. Okay. And I just had this little, like, I didn't have a lot of money, so I had a camera that looked a little bit like this that I would put on a kind of gorilla pod on the middle of the table. And then I would record a PowerPoint presentation Ah, with screen record. Okay. And then I would do the voiceover of the PowerPoint presentation and then splice that into the black and white footage because the quality wasn't good. So somehow I thought it looked better if I made it black and white. Mm -hmm. Put it all together. 
and like super useful from the content perspective, but not not great from the editing perspective. But like I said, still to this day, it's like on the first page, nice. and still people from all around the world you get like comments from yeah. people all around the world being ah oh, super useful, help me for my IELTS exam or whatever. <laughs> a bit like your story, like on a lesser scale, but, but like your story, where it's just like oh, this is amazing that it's like helping people out still to this day. So I'm not particularly proud of the creative aspect of that video, but like the impact it's had, mm. definitely. I think that goes um, to say that you obviously have to have content that is like stellarly produced. It doesn't have to mm, be like Oscar true. worthy. You can you can produce something and it's just the value or the entertainment factor. Ideally, maybe there's a crossover between mm-hmm. value and entertainment, edutainment. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's that word. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's true, right? You don't have to have it as some polish. Ideally, maybe. I mean, ideally, if you can, like, why like not? This. It looks like this. Look at this. That's not my real wallpaper. But yeah, I think that's true. Like, I think it's really testament. I, I thought you for a second you were going to mention the, the polyglot video. That's coming next. Oh, that's, that's, wait, that'll, be last, this... that'll be the, the okay, last one. Okay, okay. So Sorry. it's a one for each, like one area or whatever for each company. That would be the last one. I would say like the one thing about the the graphs video is that like you obviously have to start somewhere. Like mm-hmm. I think everyone's first video doesn't look great either, probably. So it was a good starting point. But looking back compared to what you guys were creating at Career Foundry or what we're doing at Babel, would see a big difference. And at Babel, you had a the story that I've already told you too many times already. <laughs> They've not heard it. They, the, the viewers and listeners want to hear. Yeah, I think we were maybe like uh, thirty or forty people in the in the whole company, and then one guy walks into the kitchen and he introduces or says hello, good morning to people in each time in a different language. So someone walks into the room, he says hello. Another person walks in, he says hola. Another person walks in, he says bon dia, whatever. Every single time a different language. And seven or eight different people or something like that. Mm. And I was like, and, and by this time I was a big YouTube fan, so I'd seen a lot of polyglots on YouTube that racked up a lot of views, just switching from one language to another. Mm. So I said, like, so, who are you? Like, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> Will you sit in front of a camera for 10 minutes and just do kind of exactly what you just did? And he said that his name was Matthew, spoke, wasn't really sure how many languages, said like 10 fluently, 20 maybe in mm. total. And yeah, why not? So I got my dad's camera and just put it on some books. And then filmed him switching from one language to another. And he did, I think it was nine languages or ten languages, something like that. Really roughly edited it. By that time, we actually had a video editor that could do a decent job of that as well. And then released that. And put a little bit of money behind it. And then there was just took off organically as well. And like now, I think across all the languages, it's got like 20 million views or something like that. That's insane. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that in itself was like a huge proportion of the Babel revenue. Oh. It's going to phone call. You can take join. Matthew. Hey. We're still filming, but yeah, we're just on the last podcast filming. What's your plan? Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll just, yeah, I'll just give you a call when we're done here. Okay, just come straight to you. All right. Cool. Bye-bye. I'm going to leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> so often. <laughs> There'll be like a cut of where Ed takes a phone call and it comes back up. Okay. It's a client. Yeah, it's a client. Hey, sell, <laughs> sell. Wait, bye. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we released it. Then it kind of went uh, a little bit viral. And yeah, it was driving a huge percentage of the growth and the revenue mm. for quite a long time, for like a year or so. And then it really dictated the 
strategy that we took because then we saw that there was this huge interest in polyglots for me they're like the Lionel Messi of the language world right <laughs> and so just like everyone wants to watch Messi videos on, on YouTube people want to watch yeah. the, the, the best of the best and get inspired by that and so for a long time uh, yeah we started just bringing in more and more polyglots and I certainly discovered that this guy Matthew had a twin brother that also spoke 20 and we're like this identical or virtually identical just like wild and so we're like back. okay we're the friends cafes around the city and then right. we just sat them down and then we were like they would just rifle through the languages that they spoke and the same thing again they were super popular or uh, got millions of views then we invited other polyglots in we like had the four most kind of famous polyglots in the in the world two of them which were the twins by that point and they had to learn like romanian in one hour do a lot of like challenge content where they ah, had to ah, learn okay. turkish in yeah, a week yeah. and romanian in an hour yeah and then film all of that by that time, like Instagram was starting to be a bit of a thing, so we could do live content around it as well, mm. publish it across a lot of different channels. Yeah, and that really, that really took off. And that was a lot Incredible. of fun, because also you just work with these geniuses, basically, mm. like people that can speak 20 languages, and you get to actually be on set with those, those people, which is just like a, almost an honour in and itself, the fact right? that you found like twins, identical twins. I know, mean, it's a like... huge stroke of luck. That's, I mean, like, uh, obviously not entirely luck, because you're working in a language learning company so you're attracting those kind of people mm. but i mean certainly that he had a twin brother that lived in berlin <laughs> mind-blowing they lived together i mean i think they still live together probably but they ended up on national tv in every country in europe that's why um, i honestly can't i can't i honestly if you told that story without showing me the video i'd be like that's mm. no well, <laughs> that's almost too crazy to be true but that's cool i mean you see the impact as well just to touch on that so like is that kind of where you start to realize that YouTube can be such a big player in marketing and for, for companies as well? I mean, like, then it's like <clears throat> undeniable mm. like the impact that it had on the growth of the company. Yeah. I was even listening to a podcast the day before yesterday of the current CEO of the company, and he still talks about it. Really? Ah, cool. Nice. And he still talks about it as one of the kind of inflection points. Mm. And that was really like, yeah, it was all on YouTube. So that was like, now it's a multi-hundred million dollar company. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that important kind of transition from being startup to scale up to being where it is now, then that was a real inflection point. Yeah. That's, in, that's incredible. And that was real YouTube driven. So I mean, were you tracking stuff though? When you see that had a massive impact, was it, was it, were you back then tracking yeah. stuff and what did that look like compared to most recently? I mean, this is where we can potentially geek out. Okay. This is where we find out, like, we see this big drop off in, in viewership. <laughs> the retention the only people plummets. that left yeah, yeah. through YouTube geeks. Exactly. So you remember like uh, YouTube was entirely slash? before it became like HTML5. Oh, you had the cards. And yeah. not even, you could embed these annotations, which okay. are basically these kind of outlines that you could put anywhere in the video. Mm-hmm. And we had managed to justify YouTube as a kind of performance channel because we had used those little annotations within the videos to jump you from one point in the video to another. And then we had basically built YouTube video quizzes where if you got the question right, you'd jump to one point. And if you got the question wrong, you'd jump to another point. Mm-hmm. And it would take you through like basically a kind of babble style lesson uh, within the video. Right, and at okay. the end of the video, if you had a certain number of subscribers and if you were paying, if you were actively advertising, then you could also have external links in those annotations. So we'd take mm-hmm. you from the end of the video into a demo quite mm-hmm. seamlessly. And then we could see exactly who was coming from the end of those videos into the demo and then converting by purchasing a subscription or whatever. And that works really well, kind of a fairly small scale. Mm-hmm. Basically, we find all the language learning videos and put those on top as a pre-roll ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't like hugely scalable. What the Polyglot videos did was like make that infinitely scalable because they were just interesting to everyone. Like if you said to anyone on the street, hey, this is my mate, Matthew, he's going to speak 20 languages. Do you want to just 
leave us alone or do you want to watch him do it? Like 98% of people are going to say, you know, I'm going to stand around. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I piqued my interest. I'm very... so far away. Hit him up. Oh, that would be... That, what a podcast. That would get him on the podcast. We don't even need the AI, get AI translation. on the podcast, yeah. He can, he can translate it in real time. But that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, and... Yeah, and then we released it and then we just saw hundreds of thousands of people coming through these links at the end of the video to then try out the product and then try learning a language having been inspired by Matthew who was like writing creating the courses so mm. you can imagine the authority it gives to the product and the courses if they see that this you know genius is helping produce them. yeah for sure I mean this, this is just such an incredible story and in fact they use like a native platform feature on YouTube to then monitor that and drive mm. it I don't think these these Flash animations or these sort of title cards are available anymore. No, they don't, they don't exist. Like they have to use different ways, which is I mean, unfortunate because I, I mean, there's a huge. I mean, like at the time, we were investing a fair bit in YouTube, and I were also doing a lot of um, presentations in conjunction with Google because we were like a bit of a, like a popular case study, basically, mm. because of the success we had. And I remember just like arguing with their product owners and product managers not to remove those things because we completely <laughs> relied on them. And then they'd be like, "No, no, sorry, it's going, it's going. It's a new age." Yeah, the times. Incredible. So, yeah. That, I mean, that's quite, that's, I mean, I feel, yeah, that is quite an incredible story in, in, in and of itself. Like the fact that you were able to do that and measure it all internally with, with YouTube mm. platform features. It's incredible. Now, how would you, how would you maybe go about just trying to distill these stories? That, like, I think for some of the video types, some of them are talking about the Career Foundry videos or the language school that I mentioned, that it's kind of, it's much more reference style content. So mm. kind of explainer video style content or edutainment, like you said, mm. kind of like basically ed- educational content that is very watchable and very edited specifically for YouTube yeah. as well to, to be engaging. And I think that's, I mean, you obviously need to know what you're doing, but there's a certain kind of almost a science behind it. A little bit like there is just like the kind of performance marketing of organic YouTube in a way. Mm. When it comes to the stuff like the polyglot videos of Bubble, then I builders okay had a huge performance impact but it's kind of a more brand driven thing where you're Mm -hmm. looking for this insight of something that's both sensational so something that's going to really grab attention a bit like your christo video in a way Mm -hmm. but also highly relevant to the product so when you take a polyglot then it's obviously someone that has extreme extremely high level of expertise in in language learning essentially in Babel's case then that person was also creating the courses so highly highly relevant Mm -hmm. but also sensational because you could say check out this guy that speaks 20 languages. Mm. And then you could say, ah, oh, these are his tips to learn a language. And then that gets even more relevant. So you can kind of push people down the funnel in a way with that. And you can create lots of kind of content that clusters around that main mm. pillar of video content, this which is, is essentially what we did. So I'd, any company that is looking to do kind of YouTube-driven growth, I'd probably start with that bread and butter of the kind of very reference-driven content that's going to be evergreen, that's going to drive search volumes and just naturally build the channel because I would be extremely confident in doing that. And then whenever you move in any direction to do something that's more branded in inverted commas, it's a bit more risky, but then, yeah, like any well-calculated risk, the outcome of doing it well is, is going to be, yeah, order of magnitude higher. Mm. And then you're looking for that same mix, basically, of something that's going to be sensational for people, particularly in that target group or that industry. And then also highly relevant for your product otherwise you're just never going to get that kind of conversion rate off the back of it mm. whether that's like measured or, or not so it's that, situational that's there as well though i think it's like situational almost reads as authentic as well because i think mm. it's not something you can just fake right you can't 
go and train someone up, oh, I don't have to speak 20 languages for the purpose of a video. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of like authenticity and realness that you kind of have to channel in. And maybe that is situational in the sense that you also have to be, there's an element of like right place, right time, right? Like if you hadn't been no, around, yeah, I mean, no, like it would be quite hard to replicate that as yeah. well. So I mean, really- what did happen kind of interestingly next, I think that's relevant for most companies can take that angle, is that there is this interesting kind of internal struggle where there is this idea that if you show someone with the kind of expertise of a polyglot, it's actually intimidating for people or would actually discourage people from learning mm-hmm. a language, right? Which is, to me is nonsense because when you watch Messi play football, you want to play football. It's not like you say, oh, I'm never going to touch a football again. Mm-hmm. Like Seeing people that are extremely good at something is generally an inspiration. It's aspirational, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but as a kind of response to this, we're like, okay, now watch these average guys try and learn a language in a week. <laughs> and so like, I tried to learn French in a working week and was like waking up at six in the morning to start studying with the app and stuff. And you see that format, obviously tons on YouTube, this kind of challenge format, like the, the try guys with BuzzFeed and stuff are super, super popular where they just kind of try something new week in, week out to master something in a uh, short space of time, typically. It depends on the challenge, I guess. I mean, I found with the challenge, like you would learn to actually like a surprising degree. And then within a week, you, you basically forget it as quickly as you can. Yeah, know. yeah. But it's an interesting format and definitely the, the video that you mentioned as well with the how I'd, how I'd learn data analytics, for example, if I was starting from scratch. Mm. I think in the, the context of the entire YouTube channel that we both worked on uh, at our previous employer, that was definitely the most impactful video and I think drove you know tens, if not hundreds of thousands in sales, which mm. is really interesting to see from one video. And I think it was that story arc, right? Where like someone who is now an expert in the industry is reciting, a sort of recanting almost how they would do it now mm-hmm. with the improvements in technology or the tools. And that's something you could almost re- replicate every year, right? Yeah, you sure. just go back and as, as new tools, particularly now with AI coming out and in, mm-hmm. in, in data analytics, definitely. But in, in pretty much every industry, there's tools that it reaches into and you can mm-hmm. refresh. So yeah, no, it's really interesting and definitely... I think definitely if you're watching on, on YouTube, hopefully something that we could replicate on our channel. For sure. How, how yeah, we I think it's all about YouTube. kind of creating those pillars where you have the, the reference content, you have that being produced regularly. Mm. And then on top of that, you're layering these kind of uh, these kind of moonshots where you go for something that's just a bit more sensational, a mm. bit more storytelling, but you know, that's gonna kind of drive those those peaks in interest and engagement. Absolutely. And I think for us, it could be something along the lines of like how we develop a content strategy in, I don't know, like a day or something for like a client mm. or a dream client. Like what we would do for client X or something if we were to, yeah. to work with them. That'd be really interesting to do. Cool. I mean, should we round it up there? I mean, yes. it's yeah. been another another amazing unnamed podcast, which is fantastic. Maybe that's what we're calling it from now the on. Unnamed, the unnamed podcast. Yeah, like the unnamed soldier, but <laughs> the, the eternal podcast. But hopefully not buried somewhere. Always ends with a doubter. That's all. It's, we we need to we need to like our story arc needs yeah, to end yeah. in a positive. So, so. But thank you so much for watching. It's been yeah. great. I've been Callum. I've been Ed's. At some point, we have to do the Doctor Bragg and Professor Humble thing. We? we should wear like a, yeah. like a doctor's like a stethoscope and a white coat and yeah. I don't well, know what the t-shirts. Wears. Doctor, yeah. yeah. The doctor, yeah. Merch potential merch opportunity. I like it. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Hopefully this is a recurring thing that we'll try and do maybe maybe once a week. We'll publish one of these. Mm-hmm. We're still figuring it out. We're still, still figuring it out. It's great. Thank you so much for watching. Catch you later. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>